Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Hey, it's travel day on the Robert Scott Bell Show, but you know what that means. If it happens to be a Thursday, it's still the sacred fire of liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. We don't miss it. If we can at all avoid missing it, we're going to we're gonna hit it hit it hard. That is our discussion with Jonathan E. Mord, my good, my good buddy, constitutional scholar, FDA dragon slayer, and so much more. A uh, man of great integrity. We just love getting together and having our discussions. And so I'm heading up to the U.S. Health Freedom Congress uh, today. It starts tomorrow. It's a two-day event. And for those of you who can make it, Minneapolis-St. Paul, just outside of the airport there, and uh, Diane Miller and a whole host of a lot of other people, uh, Scott Tips from the National Health Federation is going to be honored. Uh, some of my friends at the Health Independence Alliance are going to be there to accept an award for really doing a great job with establishing a state-based legislative action that got signed into law on genetic privacy, genetic integrity, that puts the kibosh on those that thought they can mandate mRNA vaccines in that state. So there's a lot of cool stuff happening, strategy sessions, planning sessions, but also looking back at what has succeeded, what hasn't, so that we can actually move forward and do better. When we know better, we must do better. And, you know, that's what Jonathan Emord has been doing for decades now in battling the bureaucratic oligarchy, recognizing that even in victory, as we talked about this, let me bring Jonathan into the mix here, Super Don, if you don't mind. Uh, even in victory, as you've talked about this, I think a little bit on the air and behind the scenes, we've chatted about this, that despite all of the wins, y- you find that the oligarchy doesn't necessarily acknowledge what the courts have told them about their behavior. You're going too far. You're violating freedom of speech. And like, they, they're like, okay, you won that one, Jonathan, but we're still going to, we're still going to do all our dastardly deeds, no matter what you say or the courts say. So it's like, it's to say it's out of control is an understatement. This oligarchy. That's true. Robert, uh, famously Eric Blumberg, who is the assistant, uh, chief counsel of the FDA told me after the Pearson victory, I never revealed this while he was alive, protecting his position. I didn't want to be responsible for any harm coming to him. Yeah, he told me very frankly uh, in a in a discussion. He called me directly after the Pearson decision came down and told me that the FDA will never, ever, ever mm-hmm. implement the court's order. Wow and use those words. Uh, And I was shocked because to have a person inside the chief counsel's office with knowledge explained to me that it was the intention of the commission of the uh, 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 Food and Drug Administration not to implement uh, a constitutional mandate sent to them by the United States Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit uh, revealed to me in stark terms just how renegade the administrative mm-hmm. state is, not beholden to the Constitution, not answerable largely to Congress, mm-hmm. and not answerable to the American people. So you've got a uh, a bureaucratic oligarchy operating yeah. in America. Yeah, and that I want to bring Super Don in the mix real quick because uh, Super D, you know, we've been talking about the things that have gone on under the, you know, the COVID crazy couple of years plus that we've been through. And let me see if I could activate. See, there you are, Super D. Oh, he's in, he's out. There he is, Super Don. So here you have a situation, hearing from Jonathan and, of course, things that could be revealed initially about court cases, let's say, resolving a dispute, constitutional questions. 
Court of Appeals ruling in favor of Jonathan Emord and his clients. You know, this is related to freedom of speech, related to dietary supplements, selenium claims, scientifically established. And yet you find out that even with the court acknowledging UN, FDA, you got to do this. And you find that this rogue agency doesn't. You're like, I'm just asking you, Super D, what do you what do you conclude as just an average guy looking from the outside in going, hey, I thought the courts were supposed to resolve something and seems to not have done what we thought. Um, yeah, something something's just not right there, is it? Is it? Uh, <laughs> it's a major something amiss. <laughs> something's not. Yeah, so, something's somebody's dropping the ball there. But this is where we get into the. You know, the genuine, and I, and I feel this from our fellow Americans all over, especially that, that listen regularly to the Robert Scott Bell Show. You're like, here we are looking for peaceful remedies, rightful remedies, constitutional remedies for what has gone wrong. And Jonathan, you've seen it from the inside as tight and close as you can get to this, where you get it all done right. And yet seemingly nothing changes or little changes. And you're gone. You pull your hair out. You go, well, what is next? I mean, what are they leading us to? And what options do we have? before it goes back to declaration of independence level interventions. It is very, very concerning to say the least that our Republic is really being destroyed by people like Joe Biden, democratic Congress, uh, fueling the administrative agencies to take legislative action that should only arise from Congress and to pursue it through the executive power, which means dictatorship. When you have a president who issues executive orders and uses his administrative agencies to issue orders that themselves are legislative in nature and are new law, Mm -hmm. you have a president who's usurped the power of Congress and is functioning like a dictator. And that's Joe Biden. And that's the end of our republic. And so in order to reverse that, people who are dedicated to preservation of liberty have to fight. We have to stand up against it. But when the court's orders are not followed, you win a case and you stood up against it, you win a case and the court's orders are not followed. That's a constitutional crisis. And the solution must arise from the political branches to strip the agencies of their jurisdiction and power. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a bill for Congressman Ron Paul many years ago called the Congressional Responsibility and Accountability Act. And I would increase that act to state today that no proposed rule of any administrative agency would become effective unless it was first passed by Congress and signed into law or, oh, if there was a veto, it was overridden in the way in which the Constitution provides mm-hmm. and that all regulations should, should sunset and disappear within three years of the adoption of this statute unless passed into law by Congress. And the effect of that would be to return to our elected representatives responsibility for making laws on our behalf and would then enable us to vote out the rascals mm-hmm. if they authorized any law out of an agency that we disagreed with. Do, yeah. Do you remember when you I uh, remember when you wrote that for Ron Paul? We talked about it. Did do you remember the response in Congress? How many people signed on as co-sponsors or did it get any traction at all back then? I don't have a clear distinct recollection, but I believe there were a few co-sponsors, but it never left committee. 
And that was the same fate of another bill I wrote for Ron Paul, which was the uh, Access to Medical Treatment Act. Mm -hmm. but the Access to Medical Treatment Act, which morphed into the right to try law, uh, ultimately passed because Donald Trump shocked Congress when during the State of the Union, he said that bill must be passed uh, in this term of Congress. Mm -hmm. And he put his full weight behind it. That was the first time a president had done that. And indeed, it did pass. So it's possible to see things that you think might not pass if there's enough political momentum. And that underscores the critical importance for everyone who loves liberty, who loves this country and wants to save it, to vote in the midterm elections and kick these rascals who advocate unlimited government and socialism out of their political offices. Anybody who voted with Biden, uh, it, 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 you know, time and again, is a person who needs to go on a long vacation from government mm -hmm. because they're ruining this country. I think, Jonathan, that, that time permitting, there may be other opportunities to submit that congressional, uh, was it Accountability Act? It was basically setting the stage for, you know, putting the uh, limitations on the oligarchy and making Congress responsible for actual laws to be passed rather than putting all the rulemaking up to the executive branch in violation of separation of powers. I think that that might need to be resubmitted sometime in the near future. Yes, it must be. And yeah. hopefully it will be. Okay. That would be great. Let's rein in that administrative state once and for all. Now, I, I'm just thinking about what we've gone through. We talk a lot about the contemporary uh, changes in our governance structure or made, the things that were made worse under COVID, states of emergency that seemingly never end. And we just had uh, a couple of days ago, Biden declared, yeah, the pandemic is over, although there's still problems. And we're like, that's the new level of state of emergency. We got problems. Well, then the emergency clearly will never end. And I think that's their intent uh, because all of the profit making and taking on these uh, EUA injections that have no liability, carry no liability, would end immediately with the emergency use authorizations rescinded at a time of no longer a state of emergency. So we're looking at a lot of controversy over this state of emergency that doesn't end. Is it, some have described this really as a, a form of martial law. I mean, where they basically claim ownership over your body and tell you, you can't or can't move about the American cabin unless you get a jab or a mask, like with the, at the worst of it, even though people are kind of rejecting that and the courts are rejecting that as well. But a state of emergency, how different is it in terms of what we've exhibited or seen in COVID then what's called martial law? How different? Is it just a matter of subtlety or percentage? It's a form of martial law. That's an executive edict that uh, compels you to wear a mask or be jabbed in different circumstances. And it is, of course, a deprivation of your liberty. And it has happened again without an action of Congress. You have a president doing this unilaterally. He's usurping the power of Congress to make law. He's also fundamentally violating the 14th and 5th Amendments, actually the 5th Amendment here from executive order is federal, 5th uh, Amendment rights of the American people. We are entitled to due process of law. You can't compel us to be to cover part of our face as a condition preceding to go into a, any business or any location or any federal property. And you can't compel us to be vaccinated, to be in any of those locations or fly from one location to another or ride on a, on a, a federal train like Amtrak. 
you can't do that without some sort of due process that shows that the individual has been afforded a trial, opportunity to be heard, and so on. But he's done it in mass, and this is a violation of the law, the Constitution, and he ought not have that power ever again. And so here the fool gets up and shocks his own advisors by saying that the pandemic is over. Hmm. Indeed, it is over. Yeah. It has been over not because of what he has done, but in spite of what he has done, the course of the disease has enabled so many people to have natural immunity that it's no longer a threat. This was predictable. This is what we knew would be the evolution of the pandemic. We are now in an endemic phase and actually towards the end of the endemic phase. So uh, any justification that previously existed now has been pulled out. The rug has been pulled out from under the regulations that he's imposed and he ought to withdraw. If he's going to say there's no pandemic, then he should eliminate all the pandemic mandates. Mm -hmm. But of course, he gains control, power and influence with the pandemic mandates. And he doesn't want to do that. So he ends up being the typical hypocrite that he ordinarily is. He says there's no pandemic, but he says we must have pandemic mandates. Right. What sense does that make? None. Uh, do, well, Amer- do the American people respect that? No. Is it going to help him win the midterm elections? No. The reason is that we're not all stupid. We're not a bunch of sheep. We, the American people are, are smart. They perceive the world around them. And just as he's not wearing a mask, they don't want to wear a mask. And just as he failed miserably with his multiple quadruple vax status to avoid uh, getting COVID, they realize that COVID is not going to be prevented by being ma- uh, vaxxed. Mm-hmm. The solution is going to lie in natural immunity. And that's what's happening. Well, it's clear, but the profit, the, the, those that profit from this uh, emergency, state of emergency, are we're up in arms obviously, because he said that, because now they're having to spin it to say, well, what he really meant was, and yet the declaration of a pandemic, remember the definition of pandemic was even altered before COVID so that it would be easier for the government to get away with the, the, you know, this emergency declaration or these emergency use authorizations, et cetera. The entirety of non-standardized tests called PCR being utilized to diagnose, yet they had never been double-blind placebo control tested. So there's there no real reason to believe definitively that whatever the, res, the result of the test was actually, we don't know what it meant. Even today, we don't know what it means. And all of that was depending upon an emergency where what happens just from a human psychology perspective. If you're running from a bear that's chasing you, are you thinking about higher math or constitutional law? <laughs> you're just thinking, I got to survive. And so when we talk about the issue of stupidity, Jonathan, when we're in a state of panic, all of the blood flows to the movement centers of the body, not higher levels of cognition. And I think the induction of fear in the human populace, the American people that was done uh, over COVID created a scenario where we were also made vulnerable to these attacks on our constitution, the violations of the constitution, you know, people that were maybe not that dumb became dumb because they were afraid and they said, okay, here's the exception to the rule. Despite there being no escape clause in the constitution to do what they're doing, we're going to let it get away with it. Cause we're too afraid running from the bear COVID, whatever it was. And we, it, we just got to do it. We just got to suspend all limitations on government. And they're 
I guess they're struggling now to maintain that stranglehold as Biden even goes, well, the pandemic's over. And now they're freaking out over what he said and trying, no, 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 it really is on. It's on forever. Yeah, they grossly expanded their power using panic as a means, fear tactics as a means to scare people into giving up their rights. And that happened on the federal level and it happened on the state level. You had uh, governors shutting down businesses entirely, uh, destroying a huge part of the food industry, of uh, retail food establishments, restaurants, gone. And uh, shopping uh, uh, malls, decimated and uh, gathering places and movie theaters losing their shirt and large numbers of them going out of business, all because government overreacted and because government presumed to replace your individual physician's advice on how best to handle this situation for you. And despite all the evidence about ivermectin and about hydroxychloroquine, uh, they kept that evidence out of the public domain. They prevented scientific debate. We had no evolution of science in the typical manner. And so we lagged behind in saving people. Had we had ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine available ubiquitously around the United States and gave doctors the freedom to prescribe it uh, early in the case of disease, so many people would have been saved who died. So many people's lives would have been saved. Instead, Joe Biden beat that drum about vaccination over and over again, would not allow any other sound in the room. And the consequence in the end, we discover that the vaccine is not the panacea he promised it would be. We discovered that the vaccine rarely provides sufficient adequate protection because it only focuses on the spike protein we're only talking about one version of the virus as it mutates thousands and thousands of times. So we also discover that fulsome immunity comes from natural immunity, that that immunity addresses not only the spike proteins, but all other aspects of the virus and provided more fulsome protection against variants. And all of that uh, came to pass and the government's first reaction was to suppress it. They prevented us from hearing about it. They prevented our doctors from telling us about it. They had a unified approach with control through medical boards over doctors, through the public health authorities, through the CDC, through the FDA. It was censorship writ large, and it proved itself once again to be the bane of progress, to be the source oh, yeah. of death and destruction in our country. We should never allow our First Amendment rights and our rights under the Constitution, uh, the Fifth Amendment, the Fourteenth Amendment, to be taken away from us again, mm. like it has been in that pandemic. And arguably, government kills and killed more people during COVID than COVID did. How do I know? Well, the vaccine didn't work. We know that. And guess what? The protocols that they pretty much mandated that hospitals do were deadly. Once again, killing people where the doctors that we featured on this show we're saving people's lives despite all of the attacks on them by the media, by government, et cetera. And they were utilizing generic medicines in combination with dietary supplements and other basic level interventions that did not require patent protection, new drugs that were destroying kidneys like remdesivir and or ventilators that were inappropriately used when the reality forcing you know, uh, uh, you know, a uh, hurricane force winds into your lungs with air was not really the issue. 
that solved it. In fact, you know, more, more people died from that as well. So we look at the interventions that were uh, sent from above rather than recognizing and acknowledging by decentralizing the response and paying attention to where success was. We could have come out of this with a fraction of the deaths because even people that were suffering from COVID in the worst ways, there were cases of many cases that they were saved because they didn't go down the hospital mandated remdesivir ventilator route. Instead, went down the hydroxychloroquine and uh, ivermectin route and supplemental route. So again, once again, we see government is the great danger to life, liberty, and property as exemplified by the response from a top-down centralized bureaucracy responding not to the people nor the limitations of the Constitution, but by the real owners and controllers of government at this point, those who have bought the oligarchy and have mandated that freedom shall not exist, especially in the health and healing realm, which is where you and I have been operating for a long time with these messages of we got to tamp down on government here and allow for freedom and innovation to be what leads us to better health. Even if you say public health, which I think is a legal fiction, but still the public, whatever you define that to be, would be much better off had we decentralized the response to COVID. You bet, Robert. I mean, this one-size-fits-all approach that the federal government adopted Mm -hmm. uh, to this has been utterly disastrous all across the board. I mean, look what they did to kids. They masked kids forcibly. They destroyed many of their uh, opportunities to learn, such so much so that they're behind several grades. Young kids that depend so heavily on facial features to discern what what people are saying and what their meaning is. We're denied that opportunity and lagged far behind. Then you have all the forced vaccination continuing in several states, including even uh, most notably California, where kids can't even go to school without being vaxxed. And we're discovering all of the adverse effects associated with vaccination for kids. And there is no demonstrable, no proven benefit of vaccination for kids at all. And yet the government insists on that. This, is, this proves once again that when you deny individuals the right to have freedom of choice and to have physicians that will supply them with their best medical judgment in an individual case, uh, and you take that away from them and you impose a one-size-fits-all vaccination mandate or mask mandate as the solution, you fail miserably because in the end, we're each different. We each have different biological circumstances, life phases, different challenges based on health challenges and so mm-hmm. forth. These things need to be addressed expertly, and we need to trust a decentralized system of individual physician direction and choice. And if we had done that, I am so confident that we would have had so many more people survive. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and- if you could, yeah. if someday there will be perhaps a way in which we can uh, fairly attribute the full extent to which the government's approach caused deaths. Caused in this death, yeah. I, I am, I am confident that the government has caused numerous people to die because of the failure to allow full information, mm-hmm. full uh, discretion on the part of physicians in combating the illness in specific patients. Time and again, physicians that I represent communicated to me that they knew they should be prescribing ivermectin. They -hmm. knew they ought to be prescribing hydroxychloroquine. They knew that they ought to be taking into account certain factors that ought to be availed of 
to prevent people from going on ventilators early in the treatment of these patients. Yeah. And yet was- for fear of their losing their licenses, they fit, they were in, unable to transmit that information mm-hmm. to patients and patients died. So we have culpability, not only in government, but those who believe the lies or perpetuated the lies in the, in the media. The media has been absolutely complicit in the killing fields by engaging in censorship. Those who were encouraging the social media networks to suppress information that was going contrary to the narrative. We've seen so much of that now, more and more of the overt collusion by government officials. That's clearly a violation of the you know, First Amendment that was not where they were pawning it off and say, well, these are private entities making their own decision. Clearly, they were being intimidated and coerced by a government, which is another aspect. And we talk about violations of uh, constitutionally protected rights. Let's just call it that. Uh, you mentioned it in, in the discussion we've just had. But I want to talk to you about one of the most brilliant moves by any governor ever, Governor DeSantis, sending those illegal immigrants in Florida up to a sanctuary state slash city, Martha's Vineyard, last last week. And uh, what the results are as suits are being threatened uh, in violation of apparently Fourth and Fourteenth Amendment protected rights. We're going to get to that in a moment. Let me just pause for a moment and say thanks to those who support us for being here to do this show two hours plus a day, six days a week, including our special hour together with Jonathan E. Moore, known as the Sacred Fire of Liberty Hour. And uh, that includes some of those upcoming events that we have. And uh, we're going to be together at the Health Freedom Expo in, well, I say this again, outside of Chicago. Because anytime I say this, Jonathan, it's in Chicago. Like, ooh, I don't want to go to Chicago. I get it. I don't either. But it's outside of Chicago far enough. Vouch for me here, Jonathan. You were there before, too. Tinley Park. You don't feel like you're in Chicago at all. even though Not at all. Yeah. Uh, it's a suburban area. Look at that. <laughs> my, my daughter and her silly hat and a kitty Just cat. <laughs> What was that animal she was carrying? Uh, it was on her head. I don't know what to no, know. The cat. She had a cat and then something on her head that looked like an animal from anime. <laughs> yeah, that was tremendous, Robert. That was a gift. That's why you got to watch the show, not just listen to it later. Y'all watch and po- listen to the podcast. You never know what will pop up on screen. You, never know, Robert. you just never know. <laughs> Here you know, we are being all serious about stuff. Too. Away from the COVID thing. I just yeah. want to say something that people yeah. need to take note of. From the very start of this whole thing, you have been spot on on all this. You've been calling out the government. You've been complaining about the censorship. You've been explaining about the alternatives. You've been explaining. And then you were quite courageous because you were taking off numerous platforms. You were uh, completely silenced on a number of platforms because you had the temerity to tell people the truth about what you are discovering and the government did not like it, and big tech didn't like it, so they knocked you off those platforms, and you're still off some of those platforms. Yeah, we had nearly half a million views on YouTube when we were knocked off completely deplatformed. Super Don was pulled off. He had his own separate account just the other day, uh, and I'm thinking, gosh, if they're going after Super Don, they're really desperate. They don't want anybody to know anything. And then the the big uh, uh, podcast site, Spotify, but thank goodness there are others that have uh, opened up to us, and you know, I mentioned... Uh, we had Clay Clark on just a couple of days ago and, and Clay invited me to be a, a speaker at one of his reawaken America tour events. And uh, there's some really cool people I'll get to interview when I'm there, if I can make it for the one in Branson, Missouri, I think the fourth and fifth of November, but he, he acknowledged what you just said about the, you know, consistency, not only being right, but being willing to stand up and speak out 
on the right and the wrong of things as opposed to this gray area of, oh, well, everybody's right. Everybody. I mean, it's like we've got to have principles on which we can lay a foundation so that we can actually have honest discussions, discussions that may involve discrepancies or, di- or disagreements, but you know where the foundation lies. Whereas right now with, you know, COVID and the emergency states, we, we can't even find solid ground anywhere. And, and as I said about many of these controversies, even in the scientific and medical realm, one of the consistencies I think that I have also brought out to people is like, we defend freedom first. This is about freedom. This is not about me saying what I believe goes, or I want everybody to adopt my perspective. This is about where innovation happens in response to real or imagined crises. And in this case, there was reality to the crisis, yet much of it was overblown to the point where, as we've discussed already today, which I think is so profound and important for the future that this shouldn't happen again, that you remember it was government intervention, much like Ronald Reagan had said, government is the problem. It's not the solution to the problem. Clearly prophetic again, because government made whatever problem we were facing with COVID I say a thousand to a million times worse because of just what you described as well. You talked to many physicians who were your clients. I was meeting with physicians regularly off the air, much less discussing it on the air. And they were telling me firsthand of their successes in treating COVID without resorting to the things that the government said you had to do. So imagine if we were able to apply those innovations, those successes across the board, rather than having to fight just to be able to get the things that were succeeding and apply them to a fraction of a percentage of the people that could actually access them. And then how many people would still be alive today? I mean, you know, talk about the tragedy again of government and then all those that worship it. Were they killing people? But remember uh, a large number of people were put in nursing homes and then sent out of nursing homes while they were still contagious. Uh, I mean, they were, they were put in the hospital and then sent out of the hospital to back to nursing homes while they were still contagious and yeah. killing enormous numbers because of that stupidity and and cruelty but then also they denied their loved ones the opportunity to see them for extensive periods in fact many times months on end mm-hmm. people were not allowed to see their loved ones many people were deprived of the opportunity to see their loved ones who died during those intervals and what a, what outrageous cruelty that was i mean if a person who loves another person, wants to see that person, even if they're ill, what power is the government exercising? What power are these institutions exercising that should deprive them of that right to see a loved one Hmm. in a dire circumstance? They should have allowed that. That's so cruel. And that happened over and over again all across the country. It was just a disaster. And this is where we I try to find a way to bring folks together. As much as we all have disagreements with people on the left, you think that they would align with, hey, we should certainly allow for loved ones and supporters of people who are ill to come together if they choose to do so. But the violence of government to prohibit, I mean, it's like, Ugh, and these about, people. How about Biden? Biden's always trying to divide America based on race, based on gender, and then based on COVID vaccine status, based on this entire fabrication lie from the start that if you were vaccinated, you couldn't transmit COVID, that you couldn't contract it and transmit it. Hmm. And that was an out and out lie. They knew it from the start that you could actually get COVID even if you were vaccinated, that you could actually be a carrier of it and transmit it to others. And so there was no difference between the non-vaxxed and the vaxxed on who could carry and transmit. It was universal. And yet they tried to, because that was a critical distinction, 
They lied to us about it, again, to try to get everybody vaccinated. They made the unvaccinated the villains. And now, as we know, the unvaccinated were smart indeed because they got natural immunity. Over 80% of the American population has natural immunity, and that is better than vaccinated immunity. Yeah, clearly, clearly. So again, these are lessons that are being, I guess, learned in real time. I hope and pray, especially for our kids and their kids, that you know the the warnings of our founders is the danger of large and large centralized bureaucracies, a government that is not constrained by limitations thrown into what a written, not casually, but with great, great, a great intent and and historical understanding of law and other things to limit government so that these tragedies and disasters could be avoided, and that. You know, even in the face of something, let's just say this were a natural phenomenon, COVID, and not a gain of function, oops, coming out of a China lab scenario. In either case, the response by government to panic and limit freedom and control all response in a centralized way is so patently stupid. And alien to what we know. I mean, the amazing thing is, I mean, we know that when we've had a flourishing free market debate in mm -hmm. science, and have allowed that to happen in this country, we have come out with more breakthroughs, more solutions to problems than that when we have censored information or yeah. worse, created an official propaganda message as a Lysenko type of approach to Soviet style Lysenkoism as the approach the Americans adopted of in this round of, of having an official position on COVID treatment and everyone had to follow in lockstep that uh, message or be sanctioned or be doxxed or be kicked off the web or be denied the opportunity for treatment when they were sick. I mean, this is a devolution into authoritarianism yeah. writ large. And the consequence of that was indeed that many people died who could have survived had yeah. their doctors had the freedom to treat them with the best known treatments as opposed to following the official line. And Jonathan, wouldn't you think, uh, you know, at government levels that they would eventually need to catch up with what we have discovered and found as possible on the ground level? That is doctors of all kinds, physicians, allopaths, homeopaths, naturopaths, herbalists, chiropractors, all came together in freedom in the spirit of helping and healing. They didn't look at each other as enemies like the government likes to set us up, divide and conquer, that one day somebody or somebodies need to be in the Congress, in the Senate to kind of go, you know what, folks, we need to open up freedom and innovation and healing again, just like the spirit of cooperation that took over on the localist of local levels around the country, despite all of the domination that was apparent and in many cases, unfortunately succeeded in limiting people's knowledge of what that could be done or suppress the doctors who knew what could be done to do that, which could be done. I think, I think we have a roadmap <laughs> and it's an old roadmap, but we could renew it back to freedom and, and freedom and healing to eliminate a medical monopoly, to allow true innovation to happen. And again, the spirit of cooperation, not because of forceful from above, but because it's in our best interest. We figure it out as human beings. We have a great time learning from one another and engaging in debate and discussion, and we've come out better for it, not worse. The United States at its best is an empire of liberty. We have the opportunity to be, like Jonathan Winthrop described us, a beacon of light, uh, uh, 
a, a beacon into a world of darkness where we provide hope for the world that through freedom you can achieve and mm -hmm. achieve greatly. Indeed, it is our natural condition to be free. And uh, to, to presume that our rights don't come from God, but from government, and that government is the source of all power, is omniscient, and that we must have our duty of loyalty and service to the state um, is the very definition of slavery. This is modern slavery. Modern yeah. slavery is a loss of your sovereignty to the state and the state controlling every aspect of your lives. And we're falling following uh, that path, which is uh, really most unfortunate because we have ample instances in the history of the world that show us that when people lose their sovereignty, either having it wrested away from them or volitionally giving it over because they've been intoxicated by false promises of what government can do, uh, utterly in the end and in a state of abject misery, poverty, and mediocrity, and that is where we have never been. Yeah. This country was founded on freedom. I know there was a slave population in this country, and I know it took a civil war to get rid of it. But the fact is there was a civil war, and there was a fight to end it, and there was a movement always afoot that said the promise of the Declaration of Independence had not been fulfilled until all people were given the blessing. And indeed, when Thomas Jefferson wrote those words, he intended on it applying to all people. And that's that's been obscured by this false history that's taught in our schools about this false history that our nation is founded not in 1776 with the Declaration of Independence, but in 1619 with a colony, a British colony, not even of our own control and making, mm -hmm. a British colony where slavery existed in part over a very small segment of the black population. And in the Jamestown colony, uh, there were many, many white slaves, which is not told by those who propound this falsehood. But the point here is that sooner or later, we all come to the conclusion that freedom is the essential state for mankind to progress and achieve. Freedom and progress go hand in hand. The denial of one ensures the ruination of the other. We come to that conclusion based on experience. What we don't want to have mm -hmm. is a generations of people utterly ignorant of the blessings of liberty and our great history in defense of it, who forfeit their liberties volitionally based on false promises from a par political party, only to realize after the fact, after they've given up their freedom, just how precious it was. And that's what happens over and over again in history. The people who lose their freedom, they realize after the fact that that is the most precious thing they've parted with. That's why people will get on small boats and risk death to come from Cuba to the United States. That's why people fled Vietnam in small boats. That's why people risk their lives to go through firing lines and minefields in order to get to free land. That's why people will give up their own children to ensure their freedom and suffer themselves a death and under communism simply because they realize that the promise of the future lies in freedom. And we're going through this dark age right now where we're suffering through the, an abyss of socialism. We're follow, falling in that direction. And we have got to catch ourselves, reverse course, vanquish the socialists, 
get them out of government and return this nation to its founding principles. If we do that, we will again be the greatest nation on earth. We will be that empire of liberty that the founding fathers intended America to be, mm -hmm. and we will fulfill our destiny. Well, that is destiny. That's what our promise is to the world. Well, the, those that have erased and rewritten history are trying to ensure that that future for America, that revitalization in liberty is not secured once again to our posterity. And so it isn't a matter of sitting back and letting it happen. It's about engaging at any level that you're called by the spirit to, to move you to engage and bring back that freedom that our founders said, you know what, this is the ideal scenario. We know government is perhaps a necessary evil, but we want to restrict it so that we can maximize innovation, the spirit, the human in ingenuity that comes from a far higher place than government. Uh, I think that we've gone astray, not just on the you know, the progressivism era, which you wrote this book about, which is so phenomenal. For those of you who are new to the Robert Scott Bell Show or Jonathan Emord, The Authoritarians is a great history book, especially when your kids are old enough, middle school or high school. This should be part of your, especially homeschool. But if there are any high schools that would engage in this, you'd be we'd all be better off having these kids understand how we got here. But there are some other uh, things that happened along the way, including the corruption of the monetary integrity, the monetary system. And Thomas Jefferson warned us about central banking, et cetera. And, you know, we've talked about the, the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, how it set us on a course for abject bankruptcy through debt enslavement, debt slavery. And now we're looking at something here. I don't know. I wasn't so aware of this. I had heard rumor of this executive order by Biden. Uh, it's headlined here on Breitbart. Biden signs death warrant for U.S. dollar. And this is executive order 14067. When I was on with uh, Clay Clark just the other day, he was bringing this up, the digital dollar, basically, the ability to control every penny you spend by digitizing. And, of course, it's going to have to tie to a digital identification number as well. Um, this doesn't bode well for our future, our economic future. And, and without economic freedom, there can be no freedom. In the same way that without health freedom, there can be no freedom. So we've got a lot of fronts that they're attacking us on in terms of those that want the freedom that we believe is ours by virtue of our very existence and birthright. The dollar or any currency is best decentralized and allowed to be used by people in their own discretion and by private businesses in their own discretion, because that defines our freedom. So much of the of our freedom is defined by how we elect to spend our money mm -hmm. and by how we choose to spend it for candidates, for office, for goods and services, for charities for organizations that we associate with, all of these things, when you have this executive order inviting even greater centralization through a digitization of the currency that will enable the federal government through the executive branch to monitor every aspect of your uh, spending, saving, investment, this is extraordinarily dangerous because it is a deprivation of your privacy to such a great extent, and it enables political figures to manipulate the market in favor of their own choice po uh, political objectives. Even in this executive order, you see it overtly discussed about the use of the system to benefit cla uh, classes that are considered underprivileged by the administration. And so that's a buzzword for politically favored constituencies being given greater uh, freedom 
than you and greater constrictions upon you to enhance that favored political constituency. When you allow this sort of thing, we see it in a gross way in China presently. We see that people's expenditures are closely monitored by the party. What they say is closely monitored by the party and their credit, their credit scores are basically grossly affected by their politics. Basically, any person in that country who does not follow the course that is, is indicated by the government is immediately an enemy of the state and they lose their privileges. They can't go on public transportation. They can't obtain a loan. They cannot uh, have access to other public transit and they can't have access to public places of, of uh, congregation and, and uh, feeding, etc. They lose their privileges. This is something that I think is uh, interesting to the Biden people, and they want to have something of like character operating in this country. It's a authoritarian move, a power mm -hmm. grab. What, what, do you what do you think? The worse it will be for us. What do you think of the constitutionality of such an executive order, basically digitizing the currency so that can every everything you spend or make or earn can be tracked because this obviously was a disaster for those that supported the truckers in Canada in their protest. Uh, they shut down access to bank accounts, even without a full digital dollar or digital Canadian dollar. So the banking system already has inordinate power. That's maybe more powerful than governments, if you will, to be able so to. This violates the fourth amendment because it enables a search of your private finances through means of indirection, but it would enable the government to track and follow all of your private finances. So what previously in a non-digitized environment would be entirely a matter of uh, your personal papers and effects, which mm -hmm. would be held secretly by you, uh, those personal papers and effect without probable cause of the commission of a crime can now be the subject of search by the federal government when everything is digitized and, uh, and tracked like this. That's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. It also violates your, 14th, your Fifth Amendment rights, corollary of the Fourteenth Amendment, because it's, as we talked about, there is this political movement to give special privileges based on your political status, uh, whether you're in a favored group or a disfavored group, uh, and that violates your equal protection uh, rights. So uh, when, when, when financial institutions and, and government financial institutions uh, restrict the availability of, of funds to those who meet qualifications based on race, based on gender, based on ethnicity, uh, based on uh, political yeah. viewpoint, all of these things are discriminatory, and they are really the direction in which uh, the far left wants the government to go. So do you see a challenge to this executive order only after they try to put it into effect? I mean, the fact that he wrote it, is that enough of an injury to some parties to say, hey, this violates, I don't know, one aspect of the Constitution, which amendment versus when they actually try to implement a digital dollar like this? Well, you have to have standing to sue, so you would have to be affected by it. But there's also yet another example in this of a usurpation of the legislative branch's power to make the law, because this is an extraordinary new uh, um, uh, means of controlling finance, and it's a transformation of the marketplace that affects every person's life. So it's no, no, there's no uh, question, but that this 
action is an is a major uh, a major action um, and raises major questions as to uh, whether or not it, it it must first go to the legislative branch. Of course, it must, and uh, and therefore it's a usurpation of legislative power yet again by the president. The president didn't introduce any bill in Congress. Didn't ask that a, a bill be introduced. Uh, in other words, it's complete uh, bypass acted directly by his own order. And therefore, I think it's unconstitutional yet again, because it's by its definition and scope and effect a major legislative action. Uh, and it's a major legislative question, not first addressed by Congress. So it should be held unconstitutional. The first there will be many people injured by this. There will be many parties that will have standing to sue in this case. All right. Well, you've mentioned the fourth, the fifth, the 14th amendment a number of times today. We didn't even get to the subject that I wanted to cover with you as well. I mentioned DeSantis sending these illegal immigrants up to uh, Martha's Vineyard. Then of course the leftists said, Oh, we can't handle 50 people. And even though they have houses like Obama's house, 11,000 square feet, eight bathrooms, how many, they had a tent for his party that could have housed 500 people. And yet they couldn't handle 50, so they get the uh, National Guard come in and fly them to a military base in Cape Cod. Now, apparently, there's a class action suit by these immigrants, illegal immigrants. I don't think they initiated it. Clearly, it's some leftist. uh, I'm trying to be nice here, but um, they're suing DeSantis and the government of Florida in some way for violations of Fourth and Fourteenth Amendment rights and violations of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Now, question, do you, if you enter the country illegally, do you automatically have the same protections of someone who is born here and naturalized here? I, I got to ask that question as a starting point for the, the standing to sue in such a case. You shouldn't. And the Constitution, properly understood, would not allow you to have rights that are protected under the Constitution, which apply clearly to those who are citizens of this country. Um Having said that, even if you presume that these provisions apply to illegal immigrants, uh, they have a terrible problem because the facts just don't support their charges. Their charges are largely hysterical. I think this is a frivolous suit. And the reason is that the actual documented evidence from Florida shows that these people had an option to go or not at their discretion. Some did chose not to go. The rest chose to go. When they were on board the plane, they were fed. They were given uh, uh, information about the sanctuary state and uh, cities. And they were given information about services that were available to illegal aliens. Um, The fact of the matter is Massachusetts advertised that it was a sanctuary state. It invited illegal immigrants to come to Massachusetts that Florida is currying them to Massachusetts is not an illegal action. Uh, Massachusetts had invited them as a sanctuary state. Uh, Furthermore, um, the provision of that uh, transportation was a benefit to those people who wanted to go to Massachusetts. They weren't harmed by it. They were benefited by it. That's where they wanted to go. They didn't have to pay for the flight. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They were not uh, in, incarcerated. They they got to go on their own. This was not a case of false imprisonment. It's not a case of deprivation of rights at all. Indeed, uh, they, while they have no rights, in my judgment, being an illegal resident of this country, nonetheless, even if you presume that they should have 
rights as the as the Supreme Court has in the past selectively ruled in some cases. Nonetheless, hmm. um, he did nothing to interfere with the rights, only enhanced their uh, a, a possibility for availing themselves of housing and of a, a special welfare privileges and status that would be given them in California, unlike in Florida. Right. Or in Massachusetts and other states that claim to be sanctuary states or cities. Uh, I just I think about countries around the world and I want to say, ponder this. Which country can you enter illegally? Not the United States. Let's let's put that aside for a moment. Yeah. And and, and when you entered illegally, Jonathan, you're going to be treated to a free plane trip to an exotic resort <laughs> where they claim they will care for you and feed you and house you and clothe you and all of those things. Taxpayer's expense and all of this right. is at taxpayer's expense. This is a, a great travesty. I mean, it is, it is, it is the action of a person who hates our country. You can't let drugs come in. You can't let murderers come in gang members drug traffickers, sex traffickers, terrorists come in with impunity as Joe Biden has if you love this country. If you love this country, you will protect people like the person who is in Eagle Pass, Texas, who had a barbecue uh, uh, business and it was vandalized repeatedly. People broke into the business and they stayed in there and she was scared to death. She also has a ranch. She had her uh, cattle uh, released because they would always cut through the barbed wire around the ranch and all the cattle would get out and she lost a whole, whole herd of cattle. She had to close her business. Did Joe Biden express any sympathy for her? Did he do one thing for that woman who his policies caused to lose her whole business? She is one of hundreds and hundreds of examples of people who've had their properties ruined, who've had their livelihood taken away from them, who've been impoverished who've been at the subject of theft and rape and murder. And he has done nothing for them, nothing for their families. In fact, he's just allowed it to get worse and worse for them. All right, this president, these are American citizens. This president is acting as if, and we, ha and we must conclude by his actions, that he hates America. He's, he's great disdain America. for the people who really are working, contributing, doing wondrous things to try and help support and defend liberty, cares for people genuinely, not like a, a you know, a, a, a basically a slogan. But here you have, again, people breaking into a country, wanting to get free stuff, not coming here because, you know, look, I am not against people immigrating to the United States. I'm an American. I've been here my whole life. People that are here to do extraordinary things. This is what America made so great because you can innovate. You were free where you weren't free in your home country. That's why you wanted to come. But if you're wanting to come here just to get free stuff. And That's then right. I mean, we want people to come here from around the world and live here and be productive citizens. If they are productive citizens, if they are people with, with a special skill, a talent uh, that can add to the country, can contribute to this mm -hmm. nation, are willing to to. Uh, uh, reject their own national sovereignty and accept the United States as their country and pledge allegiance to our country and be willing to serve it and be willing to pay taxes and have the talents necessary to do it and have no criminal record and are honest brokers. They are the people we want in this country. But what he's doing is letting people who at the start are willing to break the law to get in here 
and he's en ending up allowing a large number of sex traffickers, drug traffickers. They're bringing in all this fentanyl, massive quantities, thousands and thousands of pounds, over 10,000 pounds of fentanyl this, uh, just yeah. this year, which is causing deaths all over the country, making it the number one cause of overdose death in the United States for people 18 to 45. And he is doing nothing to stop that. Absolutely nothing. Does he have a death wish for America? Does he want every American to be at risk? We are. Does he want us to all uh, have the risk that we will be killed by one of these people coming through who is a murderer, who's a gang member, who's a drug trafficker, who's a sex trafficker, are kids at school being exposed, even exposed to fentanyl? It could kill them. Just yeah. being exposed to well, fentanyl could kill them. They've got rainbow colored fentanyl coming in designed to attract kids the chinese are right. mass they, yeah they and, and uh, this shouldn't be a partisan issue because whether you're a democrat republican or anything in between or not any of those things they don't care who they harm and kill by this stuff and this is where we should align at least in defense of the basic concepts of a country that yes has a great many differences among its people but that was also the strength that we were ha able to handle that you know, 50 grand experiments in the states, these the states united, so to speak. And uh, we're working our level best, doing our level best to, let's say, restore that principle, the principles of liberty, the limitations on government written into our Constitution. And if you wanted to change it, doing, a, doing it according to the Constitution, not by executive order, by fiat. And whether you believe Biden is in charge or not, whoever's pulling his puppet strings, those need to be those people need to be rooted out. And uh, we need to make some serious changes here. And I'm grateful, Jonathan, that you're with me each and every week when you're able to, to point these things out and to give people a pathway of, uh, you know, corrective action. And uh, we will continue to do that as long as we have breath in our bodies. And I appreciate you, my brother. You know that. You bet, Robert. Thanks so much. That is the Sacred Fire of Liberty edition today of the Robert Scott Bell Show, heading up to Minnesota for the U.S. Health Freedom Congress. Jonathan, thank you again. And uh, I've got so many more things to do, but so so much, so little time to do it in on this uh, great uh, broadcast here with Jonathan E. Moore, Sacred Fire of Liberty. Thanks again to our friends at Orange Guard, orangeguard.com, a safe uh, delimiting-based pesticide from orange peel. It is completely non-toxic to humans, to animals, and like I said, I've been utilizing it for many years and you can spray it in your greenhouse, which I do with my organic crop, so to speak. Also, shout out to Nutritional Frontiers. Use the code RSB15 for their certified organic U.S. grown hemp and more. I mentioned the Trinity School of Natural Health and the Trinity Health Freedom Expo. Also, you want big muscles? You want lean body muscle mass? How about some IGF-1 from Neutronics? Go to keystolife.shop, enter the code BELL and get a really great deal, like a buy one, get one free. It, and links are up in the show notes as well on the website at robertscottbell.com. You can be part of our newsletter subscriber base. Just text RSB to 22828, RSB to 22828, or just come on over to robertscottbell.com where I remind you that the power to heal is yours.